All across the house, would you lift your hands up over your head and say, God, here I am. Take my life, whatever it means, whatever's left, whatever's in my hands, I yield it to you. You are the one who has put me in this place. You are the one that has brought me this far. And now, God, I am here to lift up your name, to lift up your name. Come on. Now, see, I'm praying. You're not praying. Lift your voice. Come on. Let's lift our voice. You can't think a prayer. You got to pray a prayer. You can't praise God just in your heart. You got to open your mouth. You've got to lift your hands. You've got to engage your faculties. If you want God to come to where you are, you need to lift your hands. You need to couple it with your voice. Come on, all over this house. For 30 seconds, let's give God a high praise, a high praise, a shout of praise. We are a victorious church. There's a man who does not attend this church. Um, I am not sure where he goes to church, but this man reached out and he said, I was praying and I was sincere and I was praying and talking to God. I was praying for our community. I was praying for a mighty move of God's spirit. And he said, I went out in the Holy Ghost. And he said, I was in a vision. And he said, I was standing in downtown Glenmore. Boy, that's, that's a big, you know, place. When I say that, that could mean so many places, you know. And I'll tell you where he said he was standing. He said he was standing in front of the, Pring, the old Pringle Theater. And he said, you were standing beside me. Now, I'm not his pastor. He doesn't go to church here. But he said, you were standing next to me. And he said, as I looked at that building, he said there was, there was four points of light that was tying that building together. But in the front, he said, the light was separated. And he said, coming down out of heaven was a light, and it connected that fourth corner of that building. And he said, it was so powerful that I turned away from it. I was afraid. I was scared. And he said, I went out again in the spirit. It's like it, that power knocked me out. And he said, when I came to, I was hovering over the town. And all over the town, in, in houses and yards and all over the place, he said, there were these fires that were breaking out. There was fires everywhere. And he said, I asked the Lord, God, what are these fires? He said, these are strongholds of the enemy that my power is breaking down and destroying right now. God sending revival in this town, in this community, in this region. I don't know about you, but I want the enemy strongholds to be destroyed. Somebody lift your hands and say, Satan, your kingdom is coming down. Go with me to the book of Acts, the third chapter in the 19th verse. If you, if you don't have a Bible or you don't have a phone that has a Bible on it, you're welcome to follow along on the screen. Acts 3 and 19. Where's Charlie? Charlie, where are you? There, there's, raise your hand. Charlie's getting baptized tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Repent, therefore, and be converted, 
that your sins may be blotted out. So if you want your sins blotted out, number one, you got to repent. You got to be converted. How many of you know you got to be baptized? But I want to draw your attention to the end of this verse, what Simon said. So that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. I want every man, woman, boy, and girl to leave here refreshed by the power of the presence of God that would come into this place. So what I want you to do is just place your Bibles down, empty your hands, whatever you have in your hands, just put it beside you. And with open hands and open heart and an open spirit and, and childlike faith, I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, what this world needs, but mainly what I need, is for your presence to come into this house and let there be a refreshing, an overflow of refreshing. Sweep over this church. Sweep through this house. Sweep through the hearts and lives of your people. God, let your power and your anointing minister in this place tonight. Amen. Clap to the Lord before you see it. How many times have you been driving down the highway, driving down the road or down the street, and you have seen a church sign that says, you know, join us this Sunday, we're having guest speaker so-and-so or guest missionary so-and-so. It could be on a church bulletin, a church billboard, a church sign. So-and-so will be speaking this Sunday. What if you were driving down the road or you got an alert on your phone or you saw it on someone's church Facebook page? that the Apostle Paul was going to be speaking in their church that Sunday. What, what if, no, no last name either. You know, you know you've arrived when it's just one name, like Kobe or LeBron or, you know, whoever. Paul, you know you've arrived when you are Paul. No last name, just Paul. The great missionary would be preaching in that church on this Sunday. He's going to be sharing his Damascus Road experience on how he met a resurrected Jesus Christ that turned his life around. How about if you saw Barnabas, Barnabas on a church billboard? Barnabas was going to be speaking. Barnabas is going to be teaching a seminar on giving, on encouragement. Uh, most probably wouldn't attend because Barnabas gave 100%. He didn't just give 10, he gave it all. He, he absolutely invested everything in the kingdom. No last name, just Barnabas is going to be giving his testimony. How awesome would it be to be able to go to a church service and hear an Old Test or New Testament apostle speak and tell you. Somebody that, that walked with Simon Peter or somebody that walked with the apostle Paul. How awesome would it be to hear those guys speak? How awesome would it be even more so if you had those, those guys in your church every week? Now, you talk about a powerful church. First of all, they would go all night long because Paul would preach all night long. People was falling out of the loft, falling asleep on the Apostle Paul. Do, do you know, and, and this is one of my three most favorite stories in all the Bible, do you know that there was one church in the New Testament that had these two guys and other guys on staff in that church? There was a church that Paul was on staff, and he wasn't even the pastor. He was just on staff. Barnabas, the son of consolation from the word of God, the missionary partner of Paul, these two men were on staff in one church in one town at one time. 
it was a church in the New Testament called Antioch. Now, I want to read Acts 13 and 1, and then I want to share something with you that the Lord laid on my heart. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. What a church staff. Can you imagine? I don't know who the pastor was, but he had to be some kind of great, powerful pastor to have these men on staff in his church. Can you imagine at your church, you have the Apostle Paul as a team member, as a part of your church team in leadership and preaching. And as they are in this particular service that the Word of God's talking about, it says in the midst of that service, as they ministered to the Lord. And every translation that I could find translates that ministering to the Lord. They call it worshiping the Lord. Just what you and I were doing around here just a moment ago with our hands lifted, with our spirits engaged and our faith rising ministering to the Lord, worshiping the Lord. How many of you like worshiping God? How many of you, one of your favorite parts of the church service is when you get to engage with the power of God that's flowing in the atmosphere like we had in the service. They were singing, they were praying, they were ministering. They were having a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever been in a service that you just knew at any moment something dynamic was going to break out? You didn't know who it was, you didn't know who held the key, you didn't know what they were going to do, but you knew at some point in that service somebody was going to reach out by faith and unlock that spiritual door and something was going to break loose, the glory cloud was going to flow in that house. How how many of you have ever been in a service just like that? If you haven't, you need to be in a service like that. And the word of God says that while they were worshiping the Lord, that the spirit moves. There's a hush that falls over the congregation. And God interrupted their worship service. He begins to speak to the church members at Antioch. And, and this is why I go back to this incident over and over again. I've probably preached this story in some form five times in this church because I've revisited all the time, time and time again. And the reason I do is I always want to remind myself of the power of one service in one moment, in one place, and one prayer. Do you know that you don't have to pray a thousand prayers to change your life? All you got to pray is one prayer. And it will change your life forever. How many of you know you don't have to go to a thousand services to receive the power and the presence of the infilling of God's spirit. But it can happen in one service just like the service that you are in tonight. That, that, that God could somehow move in in one moment, in one place, in one time, in one service. May I explain to you tonight the power, not of a thousand services, not of a hundred services, but the power of one service in the presence of God. That when we come into the building on any given Sunday, you have no idea what God's presence will produce if we can somehow just gather together and link our faith and, and come together in one mind and one accord. We have no understanding of what God could do and what it could produce in one service. How many of you can think of one service that changed your life? Not a thousand, one service changed your life. 
There are 52 weeks in a year. Theoretically, that gives us a minimum of 156 services per year. Now, we, we just had a very interesting year with COVID, so we had a lot of services cut out. But on a normal year, we lose a few to holidays, but we pick them up again with revivals and such as that. But just in one year, 150 times plus, we should gather together. The doors will be open. We come together so often. How many of you know that sometimes the messages will start running together and the services will start running together? You can't keep them separated because we gather that often in the presence and in the house of the Lord. But 156 times in one year, surely we can miss a few of those, right? Surely we can lay out a church and miss a few of those services. It won't break the bank and end the world if we miss a handful of those services. Surely we can make two-thirds of that 156 services you know I'm not real big on Wednesday nights because you know I've worked all day and the kids have got homework and it's just hard to get here we get home at 5 30 we got to turn around and get right back to the house of the Lord so but but I learned listen to me a long time ago that you can never tell when a Wednesday night is going to turn into the Wednesday night you just can't tell you just never know what's going to happen when God shows up. When two or three gather together in his name and he promised to be in the midst of them. You just never know. You just never know when a Sunday night like this Sunday night. We had one last Sunday night and the Sunday night before. But you never know what's going to flip the switch. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is going to walk through the back door. And God's going to begin to pour out his spirit and heal bodies and men relay. You just never know when a Sunday night is going to turn into the Sunday night. And that's why we conduct our services the way that we do. That's why we put such an inordinate amount of effort. And, and we come in here and we begin with a time of worship and praise and singing and prayer. Because when you and I get ourselves involved in heartfelt, demonstrative worship through experience, we understand that when you start praising God, that he is bound to show up. When you start praising the Lord, it's just something about him. When you start telling him how amazing he is and how he turned your life around and you start thanking him for all the many wonderful things that he's done it is my experience that he will get up from his throne in heaven and he will manifest his presence inside the walls of this building and there is no telling what God will do you understand that when it comes to this church, we're unlike every other church in town. It doesn't matter what our script is, what our plan is. When the Holy Ghost shows up, we just back up and get out of the way and say, hey, God, you do your thing. Have your way, Lord. Do what you want to do for as long as you want to do it. What happened around here a few moments ago is not just a time to sing. It's not just a moment to praise. But what we are doing is we are prepping our hearts to hear him speak to us. Whether it's through his word that you'll hear from a preacher or whether God just does what he does sometimes and bypasses preachers altogether and speaks through another vessel. We are preparing our hearts to hear from God. Because I figured out a long, long time ago that one moment in his presence can sweep into a church 
church and change someone's eternity in one moment in God's presence. But Peter said we got to be ready for when those times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord come into our midst. And do you know that one moment in his presence can turn Saul into Paul? That one moment in his presence can take a sinner and make a saint out of them. That one moment in his presence can take somebody tore up from the floor up and put their life back together one moment in his presence. One moment in his presence can take you from a gutter experience to an upper room experience. A few days ago, I was going through my phone and I, I had screenshot something that I wanted to buy and I couldn't remember the site that I'd found it on, so I was going back through my phone and I just went down a little memory lane and I went down I've got a folder on my phone of, of so many of you that I see your faces of your baptisms when we baptize you and I saw so many I mean I saw uh, Chelsea I saw Aaron I saw Jaron I saw so many that we had baptized kids that we had baptized and I just took a little trip down memory lane and I was looking at all of these baptisms and all of the lives that God has ministered through through this service and, and as I was looking through that folder I don't know what I preached that night or that morning I don't know what the scripture reference was I don't know what songs they sang all I know is that at some point in that service God stepped into that place and somebody made a decision that I can't leave the way that I came I don't know how many services that I've been in that seemed ordinary that just seemed run of the mill but before it was over somebody was face first in an altar giving their life to God I don't know how many services I've been in where we've sang that song a hundred times but on this night in particular the Holy Ghost would sweep in and minister in somebody's life I don't know how many times it happens but I know this that in every service there comes a point when God wants to take over and God wants to do what he came to do and I don't know about you but I'm ready for God to take over whenever he wants to take over I've been in over 10,000 church services, but there are a handful that, though they took place decades ago, I can remember them like they were yesterday. I can remember them like they were yesterday. I was just a six or seven year old boy, but I remember the night Uncle Randy, my daddy, went to the altar. I can remember sitting in the pew in that little church. And he's sitting there with his legs crossed and his hand over his eyes because he didn't want anybody to see the tears that were rolling down his face. And those people came back to the pew where he was. And, 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 and I looked at him and I said, Daddy, I said, if you go down there, God's not going to jump on you. But that's what he was afraid of. He was afraid that if he went to that altar, God was going to jump on him. Can I tell you that as a, as a six or seven year old boy, I can remember my daddy getting up out of the pew. That's been that's been almost 40 years ago but I remember it like it was yesterday there are services that are embedded and ingrained and emblazed upon my mind I can't I can't forget them the longest day that I live I remember the night I was in revival and and we had been going for weeks and weeks and weeks I was just a seven-year-old boy but but uh, and I was just in the fifth grade I was a little older but I can remember the night that the Holy Ghost tugged on my little heart for the first time and I got 
got up from that pew behind the piano where my aunt was playing and people were worshiping God and I went down to that altar right by the pulpit and I knelt down and I began to cry hot tears to God. That has been 40 years ago, but I can remember that church service like it was yesterday. Do you understand that what God is doing when God moves in your life, you will never live long enough. You can live as the age of Methuselah, but you will never forget what it felt like the first time God got his hand on your life. During this time in Antioch, it's amazing that during this time, it's a divine disruption for God to speak. And God says, while you are ministering to me, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to minister to you. Do you know whenever I need a word from the Lord, whenever I, I need to feel him speak to my heart, I know there's one door that I can always go through that will get me in the presence of God and get me in a place where I can hear a word from his mouth. And I go through the door of worship. It's a door called worship because what I've discovered about him is he's attracted, Mark, to true worshipers. He cannot resist a worshiper. In fact, the Bible said he seeks them out. He looks for them. God goes on a scavenger hunt. And he's not looking for money. He's not looking for a friend. What he's looking for is somebody that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when I need a word, I try to become a true worshiper. That's why I love what David Jeremiah said about praise and worship. David Jeremiah said praise and worship is where God lives. You want to know where God lives? He lives in praise and worship. It's his permanent address. For the word says he inhabits. He lives, he occupies the praises of his people. He is at home when we praise him and he manifests himself best when we worship him. That's why when you're in a service like tonight, routine is never safe when God is in the building. He can come and interrupt and take over at any time he so chooses. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, let's go to the altar and let's give your life to me. He can tap somebody on the shoulder and draw them in the purpose for their lives he may tap you on the shoulder and lift the burden off of your neck that you walked in here with tonight it's his time it's his moment this isn't about us it's not about you seeing me or hearing me this is a time for God to have his way So here these two guys are. They have no idea they're even on God's radar. They're just in a church service. Just like you have no idea that you're on God's radar tonight. You came here. You put on your clothes. You came for a reason. You came for a purpose. But you had no idea that God was orchestrating and ordering your steps. And so now you're here and you're trying to figure out what to do. Why am I here? What is the purpose behind this? Not knowing that all the time that God was drawing you like a magnet into this place where his presence was going to be. It was in a worship setting where they were doing nothing more than praising and worshiping God that Paul and Barnabas discussed 
discovered God's will for their lives. To this moment, Paul had no idea what God was going to do with his life. To this moment, Barnabas had no idea what God was going to produce in his life. And he's in a church service just like the one you and I are in tonight. And we have the benefit of knowing that this is where their ministry was launched. But but they didn't know. It was the beginning for them. The greatest two missionaries the world would ever know were launched out of a Pentecostal worship service in a church in Antioch. Don't ever come in here and take this time lightly. Don't ever sit back disengaged and just wait for it to end so we can move on to something else. It's in these moments that Simon Peter described as times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And it's in moments like this that people can have their lives turned around and discover true direction and it can come in their life. I can't overemphasize this enough. It doesn't come from chord progressions and song lyrics and lights and media. It doesn't come from the tempo, the beats per minute. If you are worshiping because you like the beat or the hook and you like the style, then you've missed the whole boat entirely of what worship is all about. None of that matters. You don't get what you need from that. The refreshing, the direction, the anointing comes from the presence of the Lord. You don't get it from the song. Now, I know a song may move you, but a song is not where you get refreshed and you get the presence. You get it from the presence of God. You get it from being where he is and being close to his heart so you can hear his voice. The, the, the gospel being preached in Europe and Asia literally came out of a routine worship service that turned out to be anything but routine. It came out of a worship service that was anything but ordinary. Can I tell you that what we're doing tonight is very precious? That the moment that you are a part of right now, you may never get another opportunity like this again in your life. You may walk out of here and this will be the last time you are ever entertained by the presence of the Lord. So what I'm here to tell you that take advantage of it. Get a hold of God and don't let him go. Be like Jacob and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. These are precious moments. How it must grieve the heart of God that it takes a person to get up in a service full of people who have supposedly been saved and supposedly been washed in the shed blood of Jesus who are blessed beyond 99% of what the world will ever be blessed. Do you know that 99% of the people in the world, I don't care how broke you are right now, they trade places with you. They would walk away from everything that they have. Do you know that there are parents that take their children that they love and they, they give them to strangers on just the opportunity that, that stranger might get them into a community like where you live? 
so that they could get an education to better their life. That they could somehow get a better job and have a better life than what their parents and their generations before them ever had. And, and, and we are blessed. I don't know if we know it or not, but we are blessed. We live in nicer homes than 99% of everybody in the world. And, and for us to be among the select, the elite of the elite, the, 90, the top 1% in the world, and for us to have to be coerced and threatened and cajoled and pushed just to lift our hands and engage our minds in a thing called worship. How it must grieve the heart of God to know that I gave everything for you and you can't take 20 minutes out of your week and show me a little gratitude and lift up my name for all the things that I have done for you and for who I am. When you are being distracted and when you have everything that can go wrong happen in your life, it's not God Using you from church. It's the enemy doing everything he can to get you out of the presence of the Lord. But always remember this. God's will is always more important than our preferences. His will, his purpose is bigger than yours and mine. His kingdom is bigger than the personalities of people. And always remember that when God's will is done, that God's name is going to be lifted high. And they won't know who we are but they'll sure know who he is. How in the world can you give to him and before it's over? This is how awesome the God is that we serve. That I can take what I have and I can give it to him. And before it's all said and done, I've got more than what I started with. How can you be stingy and greedy with God when God will receive what you give him? But before it's all said and done, you have more than what you started with. Let me tell you about Jesus. He's no miser with his mercy. He's not greedy with his grace. And he's not stingy with his spirit. And every time I give to him, by the time it's all said and done, I've got more in my hand than I ever had when I started. I have learned the valuable lesson that God is going to be a debtor to no man. God will be in no man's debt. When I am giving to God, I am fully aware that if you take what I have given to God my whole life and you stack it up, then you take what God has given me and what God has done in my life and you stack it up and you compare it and when the accounts are settled and everything is sifted down, that, that when I look at what God has done for me versus what I have done for God, I will blush and be ashamed and embarrassed. God has done more for me today than I have done for him my entire life. God has blessed me more today by allowing me to breathe and allowing me to walk and allowing my body to function than I have ever done for him in my whole life. 
what God has given to me is always dwarfs anything that I've ever given to him. If you don't give, listen to me, if you don't give, you don't know God. Because God is a giver. And also remember this, no individual is off limits to God. God can tap anybody on the shoulder at any time he wants to and say, go do this. Don't put boundaries on your life. Paul and Barnabas are in a church service just like the one that you're sitting in right now. And God reached into that congregation and he extracted those two men. All of a sudden a hush came over that crowd. You know how it is before the gifts of the spirit begin to operate and God begins to speak. It's a hush. Babies stop crying. They could have been crying all service. They shut up and they quit crying because the Lord, there's such a heaviness in that building and the atmosphere is so thick you can cut it with a knife and all of a sudden the voice of the Lord begins to boom out and there's something that begins to identify in your heart and say hey shut it down God is speaking and they were in that service and all of a sudden the voice of God begins to boom out and this is what he said take Paul and Barnabas and separate them remove them from where they are Paul and Barnabas doesn't know what God's doing they don't, they don't have a clue what God is doing God says set them aside for the work that I have called them to do. May I tell you tonight, don't put any boundaries on yourself. In that service, Paul had no idea he was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. In that service, Paul had no, all he was doing was in a service with his hands raised, lifting up the name of the Lord and thanking him for stopping him from the road that he was going down. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost speaks and God places an anointing upon his life and a destiny and a calling upon his life. Listen, I've learned this in the beginning of my ministry. Nothing is off limits to God. That's why I try to live my life, and, and I'm closing. I try to live my life in a fashion that I don't close any doors on God. I, I don't ever close doors on God. I want every kid that can, that's old enough to do it, that's, that's 14 and that's old enough to come up here to me. I want you to come right now. Most of you are seated over here. I want every kid that, that is old enough to do it that can do it. Just if you're 14, 15. I don't care if you're 16. I, I don't care. I, I want you to come. You guys, you can just, just gather around. Just gather around. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Come on, guys. Gather around. I want, to, I want to tell you something. I wasn't 18 years old when God started dealing with my heart. Josiah, I was, I was just about your age when God began to speak to me. I was probably 14 years old my mom and dad were pastoring a little church that had less people in it. This was about the number of people we had in that church right here. 
We're so blessed in this church. We've got more young people than a lot of churches have whole attendance. We got more kids. And that's a blessing from God. Sister Kelly, we'll have more kids over there. A lot of churches would kill to have that many people in the church altogether. I was about 14 years old on a Sunday night after church. I was laying in my bed. And I heard somebody call my name. And it sounded like my dad. And I jumped up out of the bed and I went to the other end of the house and I, I knocked on the door. And they were already in bed asleep. And I said, what do you want? They said, what are you talking about? I said, I heard you call me. And they said, we, we're asleep. We didn't call you. And so I went and laid back down. And as I was dozing off, I heard it again. I said, I'm not crazy. I'm only 14, but I'm not crazy. I know what my daddy's voice sounds like. And I got up and I went to the other end of the house. And I opened the door. And by this time, I figured out what was going on. And they said, go back to your room. And they took me by the hand and before I went, they prayed. And they said, God's trying to talk to you. And it was that night that I learned and heard what the voice of God sounded. Now, look, I know in church services, it's very easy to get distracted. I mean, with iPads and Kindle fires and iPhones, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it, Elijah? It's easy. Yeah, it's easy. And there's a lot of stuff going on. But this is what God spoke to me this week. He said, I want to use these children. And he said, I need you to tell them. Alex, on a service just like tonight, in a service just like tonight, God may reach out and get a hold of your life. And you may not have to wait until you're 21 to decide what you're going to do for God. God might show you your life's purpose in a service just like this right Sister Kelly, they can start laying hands on other kids and watching them get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you don't ever have to know what the inside of a bar looks like. You don't ever have to know what alcohol tastes like. That you can be like Samuel. You can just grow up in the house of God. Uh, my nephew has come on staff here. He's, he's helping us tonight. Josh is 22 years old. Josh cannot remember a time when he's not doing what he's doing right now. Because he was just raised in the shadow of the house of God. Brother Danny, my daughter, picked up a guitar. And in one, about three or four days, not even a week, I hear her in there and she's playing who in the world did somebody Shane did somebody move in that I don't know about and she's just she's in there playing singing holy oh, overwhelming he call y'all by C Corey Priest 
God wants to use every single one of us. Nobody is off limits to God. He will bypass an army and raise up a boy to bring down a giant. I want to ask you right now, why have you put your life off limits to God? I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands and say, God, here I am. This is me. You know me. You know everything about me. My life belongs to you. Every second, every minute, every moment, it's yours. I give it to you. I'm telling some of you kids, if you will consecrate to God right now, there will be a mantle of anointing that will fall from heaven and will rest upon your life and you will never, ever, ever be the same again. I wish I had some parents that would come out of this pew and come down here and say, God, the greatest thing I may ever do for your kingdom is who I raise, who I bring up in my house. That seven-year-old riding in your back seat might be the next pastor of this church. He might be the next general superintendent of the UPC. If you don't have a dog in this race, if you don't have skin in this game, I want you to stretch your hands in this direction and say, God, use these babies, use these mothers, use these fathers. Nobody is off limits to you. Nobody is off limits to you. God, they belong to you. We need a time of refreshing to come from the presence of the Lord. We need a time of refreshing to come from the presence of the Lord. We need a time of refreshing. I want you to come out of your pew and gather around this front and lift your hands. And I want you to pray a mighty book of Acts outpouring down upon this congregation right now. God, upon every heart, upon every head, upon every life, upon every marriage, upon every family, let there be a book of Acts, mighty rushing wind flow through this place. In the name of Jesus.